In your green hymnal, number 10, the hymn of the day for the first Sunday after Epiphany, coming up this Sunday, is Praise God the Lord, ye sons of men. Take a look at that one. Written by Nicholas Herman, uh, who uh, was kind of a, a cantor. Uh, his, oh, I don't think I can remember. Um, he wasn't the pastor, but his pastor was part of the inner circle with Luther. So uh, uh, the kind of connection that that they had. Uh, he wrote two hymns. Both of them have this uh, tune to it. Uh, we don't know which one was uh, original. But um, that's what we got. Let's take a look at it. Uh, It is found in TLH, Lutheran Worship, LSB. uh, But LSB left off stanzas four and five, uh, which uh, TLH has and this one has. So, stanza one. Praise God the Lord, ye sons of men. Before his highest throne. throne. Today he opens heaven again. again. And gives us his own son. son. I'm not going to repeat that, though we'll sing it (laughs) uh, when we do. Um, He begins with an exhortation to the congregation that they are to praise God the Lord. I guess just as the uh, shepherds uh, went after the angels had announced to them, uh, they went glorifying and praising God that things were just as they had seen and heard after visiting uh, the, the family. So also we ought to uh, praise God the Lord. He says we're supposed to do it before his highest throne. So how do we do that? How do you praise God the Lord before his highest throne? Hmm. Got a good question, huh? Don't have an answer for that one. <laughs> you can't go to heaven. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, St. Paul talks about how we are to come boldly before the throne of grace. The throne of grace. Um, to come before the highest throne is none other uh, than to come before what we would describe as the throne of grace. That is, uh, to come, as you would say, here, where we have the grace of God being revealed and taught and preached. Um, Where is the greatest throne? It's where Christ has uh, become revealed. Uh, Glory to God in the highest. Uh, that would be the highest praise. Uh, uh, do we do this with our prayers? Well, yes, of course. Of course we do. For we pray in the name of Christ, and that is to pray at the highest uh, uh, throne, if you will. Today he opens heaven again, it says. Today. Um, you might think, well, I guess we ought to sing this on Christmas Day. But it's a uh, first Sunday after Epiphany hymn, Jane. Any time the word comes to us. Yeah. Um, so he's opening heaven again. Well, yeah. Um, it goes back to the sending of Christ. Because the sending of Christ opens up heaven again. As you will see, um, he uses this imagery a couple of times. But when you go to the last stanza, you can see he opens 
us again the door of paradise today. The cherub guards the gate no more. To God our thanks we pay. And so absolutely, that, that is, in Christ, the gates to paradise are opened up again. Um, and it is through the coming of Christ that, that we have everything. And so, as it says here, today, meaning any day that uh, uh, we worship Christ, of course, uh, the heavens are open once again to us. And it is through the giving of his own son. Stanza two. He leaves his heavenly father's throne, is born an infant small. He leaves his heavenly father's throne, is born an infant small. And in a manger, poor and lone, lies in a humble stall. So we have this leaving his heavenly father's throne and becoming an infant. Um, most of these inside stanzas between those uh, in the middle speak about him being true God from eternity divine. And as it talks about leaving the throne, meaning not simply remaining divine, but taking on uh, a human flesh here, uh, born as a, a, a small infant, and not just if if that weren't, and it is a part of his humiliation itself, but being born in a humble stall, uh, being in a manger, uh, those those things. We see this is the way the world treats uh, God who takes on human human flesh, or this state of humiliation. He continues, stanza number three. He lays aside his power divine. He lays aside his power divine. A servant's form doth take. A servant's form doth take. This laying aside. Um, it's scriptural terminology. Uh, it is often used by the uh, theologians as well. But what does it mean to lay aside the power divine or the divine nature? That's what it's speaking of. Um, it's going to use that, uh, let's see, in stanza number six. He takes our flesh and blood and lays aside. Uh, it's going to talk. There's another place too. I, I think there's three. Um, what is this? To lay aside his power divine. Hmm. He becomes one of us in order to keep the law for us. So he's true God up in heaven and he stops being true God and just becomes one of us. So what does it mean? Well, he he lives as true man. He doesn't use his divine power. Right, and that's a, I mean we know that because that's what the doctrine, that's what the teaching is. And so this lay aside. I just want to be clear that you know you you've got this. I'm going to lay aside this book. You know, don't get the idea. And I know I put it in your mouth. I know that's not what you were saying. That somehow he stops being God and then starts being man and, and, and kind of you know, quits. No, he, from the point that he became uh, uh, conceived, he will always be true God and true man. To lay aside would be to, I'm no longer going to make use of this, that is, make use of my divine nature. That's what he is talking about. And that's what we mean when we talk about his humiliation. It means that he doesn't fully and always make use of his divine nature. And so he lays aside his power divine. A servant's form puts on. That servant's form is not just the human nature, but, but he puts on our human flesh that he might be a servant and does not come as a, a punishing God, but, but comes to serve us. In want and lowliness he doth pine. In want and lowliness he doth pine. Who heaven and earth did make. Who heaven and earth did make. So he made all things and yet what? Uh, he, he takes on the want, the lowliness. Uh, why? 
Well, let's keep going. Stanza four. He nestles at his mother's breast, her milk his food must be. Her milk, his food, must be. Whom saints and angels call the blessed. Of David's house is he. So, uh, this is one of the stanzas that uh, uh, LSB omits. Um, yes, he uh, becomes just as we are. The one then... Uh, that the saints and angels uh, recognize. Uh, he, he dwells between the cherubim on the throne of grace. You can go back to Revelation. Uh, there's a couple other places it talks about the cherubs uh, kind of thing. And yet, he becomes like us. And that means nursing at the breast. Uh, um, uh, this is who we have. Stanza 5. Tis he who in these latter days from Judah's tribe should come. By whom the Lord again would raise his church, his Christendom. So, his ga- church simply means the, the called and gathered one, the gathered one. So it talks about Judah's tribe was his gathered ones uh, before. Now comes the one uh, who is going to, again, raise up Judah's tribe. That would be his church. That would be his Christendom. He's going to do it by his coming. And yes, uh, um, it does. Uh, we now have not just one tribe of of, of in, in the promised land, but we have the church who is throughout throughout the world. Stanza 6. A wondrous change which he doth make. A wondrous change which he doth make. He takes our flesh and blood. He takes and our flesh and blood. And lays aside for sinner's sake his majesty of God. So there you have it again, describing his divine nature according to the majesty of God. He lays it aside, a wondrous change uh, uh, that he makes. Takes on human flesh, but he does it for us. Why? That he might put himself under the law, that he might keep the law, that he might suffer and die and take what we deserve. He serves that I, a Lord, may be. A great exchange indeed. Sounds like one of the, uh, the Luther hymns, the uh, great exchange. Uh, he gives me one thing and he takes another. And so here we have the one who comes in human flesh, comes to be our servant, not to be our Lord. Could Jesus' love do more for me to help me in my need? Could Jesus' love do more for me to help me in my need? Obviously the answer is no. He couldn't do any more. He did everything that he could. He gave us of him. Uh, of himself. And so this is what uh, uh, he does. The result is stanza 8. He opens us again the door of paradise today. He opens us again the door of paradise today. The cherub guards the gate no more. To God our thanks we pay. So that is why where we began praising God for what he has done, uh, we are doing this by our thanks, uh, which we return to him. Uh, he has uh, righted that which was uh, the punishment of the cherubs guarding the door and being kicked out of paradise, he has now brought us back in. Okay, so in uh, uh, this hymn, the, uh, uh, the first uh, couple notes, first five notes, uh, jumps up a, a fifth, stays up there very high, and then uh, drives it home with uh, the second 
highest of six then with the uh, uh, sons and then does it again with the emphasis being on the sons of man on the highest throne. Mm-hmm. Praise God the Lord, ye sons of men, before his glorious throne. Today he opens heaven again to give us his own son and gives us his own son. Alright, we'll sing the whole thing in just a bit. We're on the fourth question of holy baptism. It's on page 21 in your little booklet. Question one told us what baptism is, talking about a valid baptism. Uh, Question two talked about the benefits that it gives, uh, and it speaks of forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. Uh, Question three tells us how can this happen. It's going to speak of an effective baptism, that which is offered by the promise in the word, received by faith. This is something only God can do, and he is doing it through this particular means of grace. Fourthly, what does such baptizing with water signify? Answer, it signifies that the old Adam in us should, by daily contrition and repentance, Be drowned and die with all sins and evil lusts. So the first part. It signifies that the old Adam in us should by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die with all sins and evil lusts. Next part. And again. A new man daily come forth and arise. Who shall live before God in righteousness and purity forever. The second part. And again, a new man daily come forth and arise who shall live before God in righteousness and purity forever. There are two parts. Baptism signifies. It signifies a dying and it signifies a rising. It signifies a death and then a living. Where is this written? Answer. St. Paul says, Romans chapter 6. We are buried with Christ. By baptism into death. We are buried with Christ by baptism into death. That, like as he was raised up from the dead, by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. So, Paul in Romans chapter 6 talks about a baptism into death and then a walking again, a raised up from the dead and a walking in, in new life, that which follows after. Um, baptism. It's a one-time event. It is something that God says there's only one baptism. You don't do it multiple times. Uh, In that baptism, God has made a promise. That promise is always good. We said it's a valid baptism uh, when it is done according to God's word and according to his command and promise. Uh, We then uh, are to trust in that, believe in what he is offering and giving to us. That being said... Are what does it signify? It signifies that those two things which happened in our baptism is to be lived daily. That is, we ought to die to sin and rise to new life 
each and every day, maybe multiple times a day. This is what our life is. We are baptized into this life of dying and rising again. Why is that? Because the old Adam in us is still there. Um, we never kick him out. We never get rid of him. We put him to death and he's there again. you got to put him to death again. Um, so, it says, it ought to teach us that, well, I'm a Christian, I guess I ought to be killing the old Adam. How do I do that? How do I kill the old Adam? Some of the church fathers had some ideas. They thought that sleeping on a uh, wooden board without any mattress, um, and they thought maybe not eating uh, food, eating as little food as you possibly could, and uh, trying to uh, not sleep, and, and that could kill the old Adam. What do you think? Never worked. All it did was make him crabby. <laughs> Might make him mad, but I'm pretty sure you're not killing him. Why not? Why doesn't that get at him? Our sinful nature is with us till we die. It is. It's till us till we die. Yep. So, how do we kill him? Every day. Correct. And so we can't do it. Um, and we have to realize that. Uh, this is not, uh, uh, it signifies something that God wants done. Now, granted, we do that through the Word. And yes, I want to hear the Word. I want to use the Word. I want to put that to it. But God does it through that. The law exposes the old Adam, puts him to death through confession. Uh, uh, the gospel brings the Christ and gives us new life. It is through the Word of God that those things happen. You can't do it by sleeping on a hard bed. It, it's, it, that, that's not the way it's going to happen. Um, and so this signifies that Christians are to live in the Word, the Word which, which does these things in us um, daily, contrition and repentance. So what about the old Adam? Uh, the old man that's... that's that's in us. Um, in the large catechism, Luther talks about, in case you're wondering about your old, old Adam, uh, what, are, what are the kind of things uh, that are, uh, does the old Adam give birth to inside us? Luther speaks of, of angry, hateful, talks about envious, of others, he talks about being unchaste. That is not uh, 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 holy. Stingy, uh, someone who is lazy. The old Adam gives birth to lazy. Lay around, don't do anything. Haughty, thinking that you're better than 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 others. Finally, he, he speaks about uh, unbelieving as anything that's infected with all these old uh, vices. And so he says, you know, all that which comes from the old Adam. That needs to daily be put to death. Um, that I think I'm better than others. That I think I do nothing. That I think that I'm greater than, uh, uh, that I'm jealous of what another has. That I give myself over to unholy living. All of these kind of things. Um, Paul calls it a body of, of, of death. Alright, so... And, again, a new man daily come forth and arise who will live before God in righteousness and purity forever. Um, how do we get up from our sin? How do we leave behind the old Adam? Uh, and instead of being lazy, be productive. Instead of being jealous, uh, rejoice in another person's uh, gift. Uh, that comes from the forgiveness. That comes from living in Christ's forgiveness. It comes from hearing the word and recognizing that what we have given is a gift uh, that we might uh, follow after in those, 
uh, in those things. Uh, that's what it's 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 speaking about. Um, large Catechism, uh, Luther, interesting, talks about uh, better or worse. He says, now when we come into the kingdom of Christ, these things must daily decrease, referring to those lazy and all that other stuff. Uh, he says, and the longer we live, we become more gentle, more patient, more meek, and ever withdraw more and more from unbelief, avarice, hatred, envy, and haughtiness. Luther says, this is the true use of baptism among Christians as signified by baptizing with water. He says, we're supposed to daily practice these things. And he says, so that more and more, uh, uh, this, this is shown in us. And then he goes on to say, for those uh, uh, where this, therefore, is not practiced, where there is not the signification of baptism being done, where people are not dying to sin daily and rising to Christ, where this is not practiced, the old man is left unbridled so as to continually become stronger. That is, not using baptism, but actually striving against baptism. Luther says, for those who are without Christ, well, you know, if you don't have Christ at all, he says, you cannot but, but daily become worse. Um, according to the proverb, which expresses the truth, worse and worse, the longer the worse. He says, if one year ago one was proud and avarice, then he's much prouder and more avarice this year. As the vice grows increases with him from his youth up. A young child has no special vice, but when it grows up, it becomes unchaste and impure. And when it reaches maturity, real vices begin to <laughs> prevail. The longer, the more. And so Luther says, you know, if you're not putting to death the old Adam, he's getting stronger. That's what's happening. Um, if you're not using baptism, well, you can be sure that he's fighting against baptism. Um, this is, uh, if this signifies our Christian life, then if we're not in this life, then we're practicing another Life And so Luther puts this together and says, you know, this is, as St. Paul says in Romans 6, that after we have been baptized into death, after we've been raised with him, he says, even so, we should walk in this newness of life. We walk in our baptism. We live, we live in it. Questions? Right. You like the candles on the altar, and we'll begin. Please stand. O God, to deliver me. Make me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Praise to you, O Christ. Alleluia. You may be seated. The reading is on the back of the bulletin. 
It's from Luke chapter 2, verse 41 to 52. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But, supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So, when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. This is God's word. Hymn number 10. Praise God, the Lord, ye sons of men, before his highest throne. Today he opens heaven again and gives us his own son, and gives us his own son. He leaves his heavenly Father's throne, is born and infant small, and in a manger poor and lone, lies in a humble stall, lies in a humble stall. He lays aside his power divine, a serpent form doth take, and want and lowliness doth pine, who heaven and earth did make, who heaven and earth did make. He nestles at his mother's breast, her milk his food must be, whom saints and angels call the blessed of David's house is he, of David's house is he. Tis he who in these latter days from Judah's tribe should come, by whom the Lord again would raise his church's Christendom, his church's Christendom. A wondrous change which he doth make, he takes our flesh and blood, and lays aside for sinners' sake his majesty of God, his majesty of God. He serves that I, a Lord, may be a great exchange indeed. Could Jesus love do more for me to help me in my need? To 
help me in my need. He opens us again the door of paradise today. The cherub guides the door to God our thanks we pray. To God our thanks we pay. Amen. The Epiphany season begins on January 6th. Um, and then you have a season of Epiphany ending with the transfiguration of our Lord. What does the word epiphany mean? Bring to light, to to manifest, to reveal. You have to keep in mind that the one who is born as a baby in a manger, the one who is the uh, infant, is now by a period, by uh, a series of epiphanies, revealing manifestations, he shows himself to be not just true man, but also true God, uh, by what he does, by what he says, um, by who he is. And so we, we see that with this. With the first Sunday in Epiphany, it is a revelation of Jesus as a 12-year-old child in the uh, temple courts uh, uh, of Jerusalem. So what happens? Uh, They go up to Jerusalem for one of the major uh, feasts. happens to be the Feast of Passover. It was required in the Old Testament uh, for each family to go there for the three feasts. They go up for this one. He happens to be 12 years old. Uh, It would appear that he has reached the age of maturity. He has reached the age of of manhood, uh, like uh, Hannah who is going to uh, take a child and leave it in the temple. Uh, so maybe Jesus thinks this is the time. Um, it's time for him to begin his work. If for nothing else, though, what do we find? We find that he is in a period of, of training by listening to the Word of God, by asking questions concerning the Word of God, he is learning from the Word of God what, who he is and what he is to do. That is, his human nature is being uh, uh, taught by this, as it talks about the human nature growing in wisdom, as well as in stature, as well as in favor with God and man. Now, according to his divine nature, I, there's no increase, there's no getting better. Uh, but according to his human nature, yes, he grows just as we do, and this is This is what we see here. Okay, so the uh, feast has run its course. They have enjoyed the time there. They get ready to leave. What what happens? Jesus plays hooky? Uh, Jesus do anything wrong? Hmm. No, he can't. He's, he's without sin. Absolutely. Um, Joseph and Mary. Hmm. Did they do something wrong? Joseph and his mother think that he's with the other families. They think he is heading back. They realize that he's not there. You might say they probably stopped for the first... It says three days. Um... You figure that the first day they're traveling away, they get to the place there, they look for Jesus, he's not with the family. Um, it's too late, they have to come back the next day, it's another day back. Um, once they get back, they don't find him, they don't find him till the third day. That's pretty well what, what you look at. Um, yeah. You're in Washington, D.C., you lose Sadie for five minutes. Um, what about three days? Yeah, I would be panicking. What, what if you lost someone else's child for three days? 
And what if that child was God's child that you were supposed to take care of? Okay. So maybe. <laughs> um, yes. I mean, exactly. You you get the uh, you know, the gist of, of of the situation. Um, when they do find Jesus, where is he? He's in the temple courts. You know, right he where he should be. right where he should be. Um, you know, the, you know, you 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 don't find him. You know, playing baseball. You don't find him doing. You know, I mean, you find him in church. You find him doing exactly what uh, you would you would want him to be doing. Um, and Jesus says, "Well, I, why wouldn't you expect me to be here? Uh, this is his father's house. This is his father's business, and he is taking up, you would say, the business." Um, uh, the Father wants him to come and to uh, obey the word of God. And so Jesus is doing that very thing. He's doing what he should. Um, yes, Mary does say to him, Son, why have you done this to us? <laughs> um, is, is, is that what he's doing to them? He's doing something? He, he's intending I think his answer to that question is really interesting. Why did you seek me? You knew where I was going to be. I mean, that, he, that has to be what he's saying there. Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Yeah. They knew that. They were just being parents. Well, I'm saying I've raised him for 12 years, and he probably was very much like another child although he didn't sin he was probably very much like any kid you know and you kind of forget that this is other than that well, no you know what I mean you, you probably kind of forget that you know forget it but you still assume that he's taking care I was care. thinking the fact that they did look for him right away in the temple they looked around for all the other places that all kids might yeah. be and might stay I suppose well, I think it's interesting. I think Luke does something here that none of the other none of the other gospel writers do, and that is they put, he puts us on the spot as parents. He puts he puts Mary and Joseph on the spot as parents because he's really saying you knew who Jesus was. Why were you worried about him? Maybe remind him. Did you forget? Who this, who this was? Well, you know. He laid aside his majesty to come and put on a servant's form. He probably seemed like any other little boy except that he didn't get trouble all the time. And so here he is with. <laughs> here he is with the servant's form. That is, he is coming to learn the word of God. And yet they. You know, accuse him of doing wrong, but he's doing just exactly right. Uh, Maybe it's why did you tell us what you were going to do? <laughs> <laughs> well, they have been told. They were, like, they were like everybody else, they just forgot. And yet they didn't understand the statement which he spoke to them. Obviously, they remembered it, <laughs> but we have it written down uh, concerning that. Luke gets the account from Mary. And so we find out from her uh, about her child, particularly her her 12-year-old child. Um, maybe similar to what I was saying about the baptismal life, the signification, what does it signify that we might be in the Word of God? Uh, so also... Um, we, we take lightly the duties that we've been given, the duty to learn the word of God, to come and to hear. Jesus is doing exactly what needs to be, uh, uh, needs to be happening. And so uh, for us to come and on a Wednesday night to gather to hear the word of God, uh, to go home and clean our house, and uh, do, that's our vocation. That's what we've been given to do. Um, this, this is the thing that, that, that we should be about. 
Um, it's when we leave the word of God behind and think that we're going to go do some great thing that we have uh, done that which is wrong. So, uh, what does Jesus do? He goes back down with them. He spends another uh, 18 years or so with them, learning the word of God that uh, when it is time, he might follow John the Baptist who is preparing the way and that uh, he might suffer and die for our sins. Until then, there is also the preparation that comes, uh, the increasing in wisdom, the learning the word of God, and uh, this is what he is, is, is going about. We find for, for Mary, um, you mentioned at the very beginning about the angel telling her she was going to have the Christ child, and how will this be? I don't understand. And so, uh, he explains to her how the Holy Spirit will uh, overshadow her, but he also explains to her uh, that uh, this is not going to be an easy uh, life, uh, but a sword, uh, as Simeon, 40 days old, explains, uh, a sword is going to pierce her own soul. And so uh, what happens? Uh, the difficulty that comes with having the Christ child. Ah, Mary has the has has she's the most blessed woman ever. Yeah, I guess she is. Um, is 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 that why she is you know uh, has a baby in an inn because or outside of an inn in a stable because no one would have her? Is that the reason why she has to run away at night and go down to Egypt? Um, wow, she's blessed. Um, she comes back and at age twelve she loses Jesus for three days. Um, later, she has to witness her son suffering and dying. Um, but that comes along with being those who are blessed. The Lord also, uh, the world fights against. He gives them the grace so that they can get through these afflictions and sufferings. And he provides for them uh, so that they would have it no other way. Paul uh, has to learn what kind of things he's going to suffer for the Christ. Each one of us, our afflictions are not a sign that God has left us, but the way in which God works uh, through us. Questions? All right, get out your responsive prayer for catechesis and let's have our prayers. Please stand. Holy God, holy and most gracious Father, you shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, 
and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I will wash my hands in innocence, so I will go about your altar, O Lord. Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. In whose hands is a sinister scheme and whose right hand is full of bribes. My foot stands in an even place. In the congregation I will bless the Lord. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be world without end. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O Lord, we implore you mercifully to receive the prayers of your people who call upon you and grant that they may both perceive and know what things they ought to do and also may have grace and power faithfully to fulfill the same. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. O God, who makes the unworthy worthy, sinners righteous, impure pure, work in me true repentance for my sins and misdeeds, for my daily and countless transgressions, Through faith in thy Son, make me worthy to receive the sacrament of thy Son's body and blood for the cleansing of my soul and body of all shame and sin. Through him who offered himself to thee, O God, Father, the perfect propitiatory sacrifice, who is our sinless and only mediator, through the high priest Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, Amen. Bless we the Lord. The Lord bless us, defend us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life.